looking in regards to that of giving thanks, which you probably picked up in our reading from Luke chapter 17. And hopefully over this, uh, what a wonderful season it is, a time of reminding us to give thanks, and how sad it is that even with a holiday named Thanksgiving, uh, how few actually stop to think of what God has done and give thanks for it. Uh, hopefully, as a, as a family, hopefully you took time to uh, sit and, and praise God for what he has done. But if you think of the majority of Americans, how few probably actually sat and recounted the blessings that God has given them uh, when, when the, the whole holiday itself was all about recounting the goodness of God and giving thanks to him. So in our passage today, we see why this is the case, and, and we will get into this further. But Luke chapter 17, we know this account of the, the ten lepers. And, and uh, I titled this message, What Do You Say? And the reasoning for that is because as a parent, or maybe you can think back to as when you were a child, how many times did you hear as a child, okay, what do you say? Right? How many times as a parent have you said that? Or what do you tell them? The child gets something. Okay, what do you say? What, what do you tell them? What? We're trying to remind them, our ungrateful children, to say thank you, right? And, and I feel like God brings reminders into our lives like this of like, okay, what do you say? What do you say? What, what, what should you tell them? Thank you, right? How many times as kids... Maybe our hearts weren't actually thankful after we were reminded from parents. As kids, maybe it was more annoyed of like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to say thank you. But that importance of training, and as parents you can, you can try to encourage them to give thanks, but uh, it's more of a heart issue than, than anything else. And in Luke chapter 17, we read, of a great miracle that took place. And we want to start out by looking at the condition of these men. Now, if you're like me, you are not very familiar with leprosy today. And in the Bible times, um, th this could refer to multiple uh, indifferent like skin diseases. Um, but the most common or wide, widespread one is what we have come to know as Hansen's disease, which even that I, I was not familiar with, so I found some information on this. And don't worry, I'm not going to go into like gruesome details of the information, but it's good for us to understand what was going on with these men that, that came to Jesus for help. So here you have ten men, which uh, we, we find out in here that one of them is a Samaritan, and they were suffering from leprosy. Now, the worst case of leprosy uh, would, would lead to them with the loss, would lead to a loss of sensation in some parts of their body and would often affect their nervous system. It would start out by maybe something minor like a, uh, a lightening of their skin or a pink discolor discoloration of the skin. And it would untreated, which it often was untreated, would, would get worse and worse until it became, there would be boils and different things on their skin. And it would lead to 
the loss of, of filling in their extremities first and foremost. Which we don't realize how often that being able to sense pain actually helps protect us. So if you think, if you, if you didn't experience pain in your hands, how many times would you burn your fingers or maybe smash your fingers and not even realize that you had done any damage? And that's what would happen often with those who had leprosy. It would cause them to not experience pain, which sounds like it would be a good thing, but in the end it would end up destroying uh, their, their bodies, really. Their muscles would waste away the tendons would contract until their hands were like claws, and they would have sores all over. And while this physical disease was terrible, the social consequences in ancient Israel only added to the misery. Um, according to Josephus, lepers were treated as if they were, were dead men. Um, the Mosaic Law prescribed that the person be cut off from society, including their family, they had to wear torn clothing, have his head shaved, head uncovered, and cover his mouth and shout, unclean, unclean. So everybody knew an unclean person was, was in the area, wherever he went, so people could keep their distance. Um, Jesus encountered these men, and it says that they came to him. They knew that Jesus was passing through, and they entered. Jesus entered a certain village, and there met ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, they kept their distance, but they shouted out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So here's these men in their condition, outcasts from all of society. It's interesting, too, that it's, it's brought out in the Bible that there is one Samaritan. And it's interesting how the fact that they all had leprosy removed those boundaries that they had as, oh, here's a foreigner. Now, hey, we're all in this together. We're all outcasts together. And here they come. They hear of Jesus passing through, and it says they go to meet him, and they keep their distance, and they yell and they shout, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, we don't know what their shouting was like because oftentimes leprosy would also affect the vocal cords. So it may have been difficult for them to even shout out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, but they knew that this was their only hope. Now, as we get into this passage, we need to understand that the leprosy in the Bible is a great reminder and a great, it shows us that our natural condition as sinners before God, that spiritually we are all the outcast, that we, God in his holiness, cannot be a part of sin, and we are in essence, like these ten lepers. We are, we are all spiritual lepers. God wants to see that our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. That apart from him, this is our natural condition. Now, these men did not have to be reminded because it was constantly before them. Uh, anytime they came around people, they had to shout out unclean. They, they didn't need the daily reminders of their uncleanness. But so many times as people, how many people have you talked to that said, well, I'm, I'm basically a good person. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't God allow me into heaven? I mean, I know a lot of people that are worse than I am. I'm basically good. 
And if God really does love me, he would just allow me into heaven. Now, these lepers didn't yell out to Jesus, Jesus, we're basically good people. Do something for us. No, they knew their condition. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And so really, as people, it takes us recognizing first and foremost our spiritual condition apart from God. Um, we often believe the lie that we are not as bad. Oh, I'm not as simple. I'm not as bad as, as maybe what the word of God shows me that I am. And hopefully each of you today have, there's come a point in your life, and I think there probably has, where you've seen your spiritual condition, and that's why you're here today. You know, the, we don't come to church because we all have it figured out, and now we're, we're all perfect. No, we come because we are, we are sinful, sinful beings who have seen our need of salvation, and uh, because of God's plan for the church as well. But we are all spiritual leopards, lepers, and then we see that in that condition, when I see my need, I need to call upon the name of the Lord for mercy, just as they did. The ten lepers knew their condition. They did not, they did not say, well, yeah, Jesus is, is passing by, but why would he want to have any part of us? I mean, here, there's going to be crowds there. It's, well, we don't stand a chance to meet the master. No, they knew that Jesus was their only hope. That apart from him, their life was one of outcast, of despair, and ultimately death. That apart from him, there was zero hope. And apart from Jesus Christ, you and I have zero hope. Do you notice it seems like in the world that there is more and more despair and more and more hopelessness? Do you, do you see that in talking to people? And that is because so many people have not cried out to the master, have mercy on me. And apart from him, there is no hope. There is only despair. We must call upon his name in our spiritual lostness, in our spiritual condition for salvation. They called him master, submitting to his authority. Acts 4 and verse 12 says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So the good news is, and as we begin the Christmas season in celebration, we are celebrating the birth of the Savior. We are celebrating the good news that a Savior has been born, that we are spiritual lepers, but the Savior, the Rescuer, has come. So that Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a wonderful promise that that is. So we see that we need to cry out to the Lord for mercy. But then we see in this passage that God delights in obedience. It's interesting in this passage that as they came and cried out to the Lord, verse 14, it says, so when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. It wasn't Jesus spoke the words, which he could have done. 
and they immediately were cleansed. But it was as they followed in obedience that then they were cleansed. You, I, I wonder, you know, we, we read this, but there's always more going on behind the scenes that the word of God doesn't always fill us in on. You wonder if as they were, as they, uh, Jesus said this to them, you wonder if they had a discussion at all amongst themselves of like, well, we have nothing to lose. I know, I mean, nothing has happened yet, but, I mean, what do we have to lose? Um, or if in their mind they were thinking, man, I was really thinking Jesus was going to speak the words and we were going to be cleansed immediately. Or if they just quickly obeyed of with no thought. If they were like most of us, there was probably some thoughts going through their mind of, well, I might as well, I might as well do this and I might as well take this chance. And it says, as they went, they were cleansed. I wonder how quick of a process that was as they were walking to the priest, how quickly they noticed. And then can you imagine the joy that began to spread on their faces? Hey, look at my arm. Look at what's happening here. The leprosy is going away. And as they were becoming cleansed, you can imagine the joy that was bursting forth in this group of ten that I, I think they probably started out going to the priest, but then as they were cleansed, I, I'm guessing they were, they were running, running to the priest because they were filled with so much joy. Their whole life had just changed. As soon as they were able to go to the priest and get a clean bill of health, so to speak, from the priest saying, yes, you are cleansed, you are free from leprosy, because of their obedience, they saw the, a great working of God. So in here, uh, we see that as they obeyed, they were cleansed. In 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, it says, So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. Many times our pride keeps us from obeying. Or we make excuses as to why, oh, I'll, I'll do it, but I'll do it later. Maybe it's something that God has laid on your heart. Be like the ten started out as in obeying the command of the Lord quickly. Um, and one thing that we are commanded to do, uh, there are many things that we are commanded throughout Scripture. One, one thing that we are commanded to do, and that is to give thanks. That we are to give thanks. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18 it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Many times we, we ask, like, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will? Well, right here in this verse, God's will is that you give thanks. Um, and do we take that seriously? Give thanks in all things. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus Concerning you in our memory verses that we quote each week in verse 15, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. In verse 17, it, it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the father through him. This is something that comes up over and over again of the need and the importance of giving thanks. 
In Hebrews 13 and verse 15, it it refers to it as that we ought to offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. In Psalm 118 and verse 24, it says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So as they obeyed, they were cleansed. And we see that as they were healed and got that clean bill of health, very sadly, only one returned to give God thanks. You've probably heard of the 80-20 rule that uh, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Sometimes I think it's more 90-10 in certain situations. And if we look at this passage, it was only 10% came back and actually gave God thanks. I came across this story that back in 1860... There was a boat on Lake Michigan that uh, collided with a a freighter and began to sink less than a mile from shore. Hundreds of passengers began screaming as they leaped into the icy water. There was a young man on the shore. His name was Edward Spencer. He was a student at a nearby seminary, and he ran to the beach to see what he could do. He was an excellent swimmer, and he... He, he grabbed a, a rope from, from shore, and he swam out to where the, the wreck had occurred. And as he grabbed one person from the wreckage, he pulled on the rope, and then they would pull him back to shore. He continued this swimming out, grabbing someone coming back, for six hours, pulling people to shore, battling the stormy waves, the ice-cold water, And by dawn, he had rescued 15 people in his trips. He sat down on the shore and was just exhausted when somebody spotted two more people out there. Forgetting about himself, he jumped back in the water and swam out there and found a man and a woman clinging to a piece of wreckage. As he gathered them and got them safely back to shore... He collapsed on the shore, and due to all the extreme situation and his own uh, exhaustiveness, Edward Spencer never fully recovered his health. He was not able to finish school, and he actually lived the rest of his life uh, in a very rough condition just because he had given so much of himself to rescue these people. Out of the 393 passengers, only about a quarter of them were rescued from the wreckage. And 17 of those were rescued by Edward Spencer, risking his own health and his own life. If the story ended there, it'd be a wonderful story, which it is, of of a hero sacrificing and giving. But years later, a reporter came and found Edward Spencer They were writing a story about this uh, tragedy, Um, and they found him living in California, and at this point he was in a nursing home in California, and they asked him about that night, and Edward Spencer said, the only thing I remember is that not even one of the 17 people ever thanked me. You think about that. I mean, as I read that, I thought, what a sad, what a sad tale What a sad ending to this story. And yet, we read in this passage of the ten lepers. And only one of them came back. 
And I, I think as I, as I read that, I thought, none of the 17 ever came and thanked me. I think of what Jesus asked in verse 17. Were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? I wonder how many times is that asked about us? Man, where are they coming to sing my praises to, to thank me for what I have done in their life? But yet we go on life as normal and we don't stop to give thanks to God. So in our reminder of what do you say, we want to just look at a few things of giving thanks. We ought to give thanks first and foremost for our healing. And what we mean by that is looking back at the, the spiritual condition that we have as spiritual lepers that, that God has granted us salvation by, as we celebrate, him coming to earth, him lay, putting his life down on the cross. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You think of that account that I shared, that story. That Edward Spencer, he didn't owe those people anything. He saw them in their need, and he knew he was one of the only ones that could help. And he sacrificed, really gave of himself, gave his life to save those 17. But yet not a single one of them ever gave him thanks. Hopefully we are not like the 17. Hopefully we are not like the nine who did not come back to Jesus and give him thanks for the healing that he had uh, granted in their lives. But hopefully daily we are reminded, Lord, thank you for what you have done in my life. For saving me from my own sin, my own sinfulness. My, I was a slave to sin, but I am no longer a slave to sin. Thank you for granting me forgiveness. So we ought to start out by giving thanks to God for the salvation that he has granted, giving thanks to God for the healing that he has brought. And this Christmas season should be a time of celebrating the goodness of God. But then we ought to give thanks to God because it is good for us. That we ought to give thanks. God knows that our giving thanks also has benefits in our life. In, in studying and, and reading I came across a study uh, done, uh, not, not a uh, religious or religious study at all, done by UC Berkeley, and they were studying the importance of, of gratitude. And this was a long study that they had done, um, looking at people from ages 8 to 80 and looking at those who practiced gratitude regularly and those that did not and seeing if it had any effect on our bodies, on our mentality. And they came to find out that physically, those who were grateful people or thankful people had a stronger immune system. So if you want to uh, stay healthier, this may, hopefully the ones at home watch this, right? No, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not grateful people. A stronger immune system... Less bothered by aches and pains, lower blood pressure. They exercised more and took better care of their health. They slept longer and felt more refreshed when they woke up. 
They also had higher levels of positive emotions. They were more alert, alive, and awake. They had more joy and pleasure, uh, more optimism and happiness. Um, They were more helpful, more generous, and more compassionate. Um, They found out that they were more forgiving, more outgoing, and felt less lonely and isolated. Now, you look at that. That was just from a secular study done of the benefits of being a thankful person or giving thanks. Now, our, our giving thanks as believers is more than just what we can get out of it. But so many times, uh, what God commands, we know that that is what is good for us too. And being more, more joyful or more thankful, and that starts by thanking God, has major health benefits for you. You, you look at this list of things that I read. Who wouldn't want to have more joy and more pleasure in life, more optimism, be more helpful or generous or compassionate? Well, first of all, if I'm, if I'm grateful and giving thanks, the first step of that is my focus is off myself. I'm thinking, hey, I, I appreciate what you have done for me or I appreciate what God has done for me. And my focus isn't on myself anymore. It's on others. So, of course, I'm going to be more helpful and more generous and more compassionate. And thinking about this this week, I thought, how, many, how easy is it to complain and how difficult so many times is it to give thanks or to show gratitude? I was thinking, how many times have I brought up certain businesses that I'm like, oh, that's that you don't get any service there and it's lousy service and this business, you know, they don't know how to do customer service. And it's easy for me to complain about this. But how many times have I had good service that I don't show gratitude or say, hey, I really appreciate you knowing what you're doing here, knowing what you're talking about. I appreciate if you've ever done that randomly to someone after you receive good service, you'll see many times kind of a shocked look on the person's face. Have any of you experienced that where they're kind of like, don't know what to say, like taken back a little bit. Which shows how few times people are shown gratitude or thankfulness. So giving thanks shows great benefits for our health. But we ought to give thanks that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, what can separate us from the love of God? And it goes on and talks really that nothing can separate us from God's love. You think about what a blessing that that is. That no matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens with elections, no matter what happens with the economy, no matter what happens, whether uh, we run out of diesel or gas or the power grid goes down or whatever they're saying is going to happen now, right? Whatever might happen, nothing can separate me from the love of God. The all-powerful creator, the creator of the universe, that as I look outside and see his handiwork, see the the vastness of the sky, the beauty of his creation. That's the same God who loves me and nothing can separate me from his love. But then uh, we ought to give thanks to God that he is always with us. Psalm 139 verse 8, David said, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. 
If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Has there ever been a time in your life where you felt very alone? Maybe you were not able to be with family and friends and loved ones for a certain period of time. And that feeling of loneliness is one that it, it, it's a dreadful feeling, isn't it? It's a horrible feeling of knowing that you are, you are by yourself. What a blessing it is to know that as believers that we are never alone. Now, there may be times where you are tempted to feel alone, but that's where we come back to the promises of God, like Hebrews 13, verse 5, where he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's where it's, Lord, right now I feel alone. I feel by myself. I feel there's no one else. But Lord, I know your word tells me that you are with me, that nothing can separate me from your love. So we ought to give thanks that he is always with us. And we ought to give thanks that God is doing a work in us. Romans 8:28, that all things work together for good to those who are in Christ, to those who are called according to his name. That as we are in Christ, as we follow him, that he is doing a working in us and through us. That God is doing a work. Uh, Tony Evans said, sometimes God rescues us from things. Sometimes he rescues us out of things. And sometimes he changes us inside of those things. Let him choose because he knows best. See, that's where it's trusting the hand of the master. Trusting the hand of the master. And then lastly, we ought to give thanks because as believers, the best is yet to come. I often think of that song, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through, right? This world is not my home. Even the beauty that this world shows of God's greatness, it still has the effects of sin on it, doesn't it? Still has the curse of sin upon it. This world is not my home. That, as Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you, and we have that promise that he will come again. Nancy DeMoss had this quote. She said, be thankful. God has commanded it for our good and for his glory. God's command to be thankful is not a threatening demand of a tyrant. God is not saying it because he is a tyrant up in heaven. Rather, it is an invitation of a lifetime. The opportunity to draw near to him at any moment of the day. You think about that. This command that we have to be thankful is not God up in heaven. You're supposed to be thankful. Hey, what are you supposed to say to them? No, it is the invitation of a lifetime. The opportunity to draw near to him at any time. May we be like the Samaritan who came back to give thanks to the Lord for what he had done. And not like the nine who were cleansed but went away without showing God thanks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have done so much for us and in us that we stop today and we give you thanks. Lord, you are worthy of all praise. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive me for so many times going through my day, going throughout life without pausing 
to give thanks for what you are doing. Lord, I thank you that you are not a tyrant who is demanding thanksgiving from us, but you are giving us this invitation to grow in you, to walk with you, um, to have fulfilled joy in you. Lord, I thank you that even in this command, that even those um, in the, who have done the study have seen the health benefits of joy, of gratitude, of thanksgiving, that your word is true. And thank you that we can rest in that today. Lord, we thank you that you are good in all your ways, that you have saved us from our uh, leprosy, from our sinfulness. Thank you that you have saved us and that we can have a home in heaven, that we can have that hope secured. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.